it's pretty aversive, right? Oh, it is. Insert escape behavior. It's behavior, bitches. Hey, guys, it's Liat. And Casey. So, Casey, how was your first week teaching the collective? The Study Notes ABA Collective on Monday night was bomb.com. Everyone was so into it and made, they reinforced my teaching behavior because I was nervous AF. Now I feel like I'm going to be much better on Wednesday. And anyone tuning in that's part of the collective, um, I did plug the podcast. So anyways, I'm hashtag famous now. Thanks, Liat. Guys, as always, we need to remind you to subscribe. If you love us at all, click the subscribe button. Not a lot of response effort at all. Click subscribe. And while you're at it, click the five-star review. Leave a nice reinforcing review for us. We will be oh so freaking happy. Also, you can follow us at our Insta handle at Behavior Bitches Podcast, our Facebook Behavior Bitches Podcast. And we will look out for all the different comments you're saying, what you want us to talk about, anything at all. It's us on there. We're real human. So again, subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thanks. So, okay. Today is episode number four. Woo! Four. All right. We are talking about being financially free. And um, we have some amazing guests, but let's let Liat share a um, our new thing that we're going to share. It's called the reinforcing review of the day. Let's go. Okay, our reinforcing review of the day. Here's from someone whose name on the on the podcast review is future behavior analyst. Girl, I believe it. All right, here we have. These girls are not only hysterical, but they bring this complicated science of ex- applied behavior analysis to life. Real-world examples and discussions of how human behavior works, why we do what we do, and how the hell we can get our significant other to take out the dang trash. Definitely worth listening to, especially if you're a student of ABA studying for the BCBA exam or a seasoned BCBA. And if you're not, a very entertaining podcast to learn why the hell people are the way they are and why they do the things that drive us crazy. Smiley face. Thank you, future behavior analyst, for this beautiful reinforcing message. We'll definitely keep on going because of you. We love you. That was so awesome. Thank you for that review. We really, 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 really appreciate it. Um, that's the one way we're going to help grow this podcast so we can take time out of our busy daily working lives to bring you guys some fun entertainment in a behavior analytic way. Woohoo. Okay. Anyways, we're not going to talk about ourselves too much today because we have more important things, and I think you guys will agree when we tell you what the topic is. We have two people here today. Yes, two. To add to the value of this podcast, we're going to stay on topic. Okay, Casey, let's make the promise right now that we are going to stay on topic. Okay, pinky swear. Waste no time. Hash, yep, waste no time. Okay, so the first person I'm really excited to introduce, today we have someone really cool. It all started with an Instagram romance. Well, actually, I followed her. Was it a one-side romance? No, I think we followed each other. I think we followed each other. Um, So I followed this chick on Instagram, saw she was a BCBA, and she posted really interesting shit. And she lived close to me in Dallas. And then we met in real life, and it was just magical. 
And okay, so she's really interesting, this girl. And now I'm like filling the, the suspense. I can't even say the word. And so, guys, meet Shelby. Shelby's a funky chick. She calls herself the financial freedom queen. Shelby, say hi. Hello, hello. You're hyping me up. I feel like I'm hashtag famous now. You are. <laughs> you are famous. <laughs> you are famous. Okay. So, first okay. of all, Tell, tell us about yourself. Say a few. You're so cool. Once I met you, just tell us a few things about yourself. Okay. And also things- tell us where you can, um, where people can follow you and find you. Yeah. Okay. First things first, follow me on Instagram at Shelby Dorsey, S-H-E-L-B-Y-D-O-R-S-E-Y. Easy, simple. That is my real name. I'm a BCBA and I actually live in Denton, Texas, which is North Dallas, basically. And I love Instagram. I love behavior analysis and I love money and learning about money. That is why I call myself a financial freedom queen because I am on the road to financial freedom using behavior analysis and it's so freaking cool. Love it. I need all your help, Shelby. Yes. Every last drop of knowledge, <laughs> please. I, I'm here to give it. I'm here to give it. Thank you. Okay. And before we get more into the finances, Shelby posts a ton of awesome shit. So seriously, go follow her after this podcast. Like financial money saving tips, all that. But Shelby, can you just give a little bit of background that you gave me as to how you got so many followers on Instagram? Just give them a little bit of your story. Yes. Okay. So my story is I ended up pregnant when I was 16 in high school. And this was like very scandalous because I'm from a tiny West Texas town very conservative area. And um, basically, a lot of people in the community were like, okay, you ruined your life. Life's over. Go work at a gas station. Um, And where I'm from, like, you literally have a professional degree or you have to work at a gas station because there's no industry. So we have lots of gas stations because we have a highway. And so I got a job at a grocery store and looked around and was like, "Um, I think I could still go to college. Like, I had my daughter. I'm like, no, I'm still going to college. So at the time, my nine-month-old daughter and I, something around there, decided to move to college. And she attended college with me in a different state away from my family. I love it. (laughs) I freaking love it. That's amazing. You are badass. Thanks. And when I found out I was pregnant, my parents essentially said, you are an adult now. And financially, you're cut off. So I got to keep the car that I was driving and I got to keep my health insurance with my, my dad's job had my health insurance, everything else from food, cell phone, clothes, makeup. I mean, anything, baby stuff, all of it was on my own. So that's where like my financial fitness came in is I was in a sink or swim. Like you either go, you're, you literally have to find food for your family. That's kind of how my situation was, which is pretty extreme. Um, but it made me very creative with finances. It allowed me to learn to swim in a way that people who may have really supportive families or maybe you have a trust fund or a large savings account or your college is paid for, something like that. Uh, none of those were options for me. I had like $50 and a baby. <laughs> you were thrown and, into the deep end, right? Yes, totally into the deep end. And so it allowed me to really make a lot of mistakes with money, but also figure out that Money is kind of a strategy game. And if I can use it to my advantage, I could get myself out of a really bad situation, which was being 17 with a baby and having no money. And so that's what I did. 
That's and amazing. Something you had said to me, which I have to add in, is if you into but I, this is also going into how you had so many Instagram followers. Like people yes. found it fascinating. Yes. So I go to college and I have this little baby and I have no friends. I'm living in a different state and I just start taking her everywhere with me. Like football games, midnight pancakes, class, every parties, anything. I mean, not like 2 a.m. parties, but any kind of collegiate event, me and my daughter were together. Well, at the time, Twitter was huge. And so when I was tweeting, because, you know, everybody in college is tweeting about what they're doing, I hashtagged her Twitterless Tatum. <laughs> I and love it. She was my only friend, at, at, you know, at certain times in my life. So people started really following us like, wait, what? Then I got really ballsy and I shaved my head in college, which I was in Western Oklahoma. So this, this was a big deal. I was like wearing crop tops and had a shaved head. And I also had a two-year-old and like things were just wild. And people started really paying attention and my Twitter fame exploded. Well, then when Instagram came around, people are like, okay, I want to see what she really looks like. <laughs> like we, we've <laughs> seen her on Twitter, but what, what does she look like? And then my Twitter following kind of grew. At the same time, I started dating my husband, who's four years younger than me and was a wild man in college. Like anyone who knows my husband knows he was a wild man in college. So then people are like, okay, 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 wait. She's poor, but she's really cool. She's got really awesome. He's on the basketball team. Like he's, yeah, he's he's really good looking. He's on the basketball team. Okay. Continue that. People were looking at us like, what do you guys have going on? Like this doesn't even make any sense. So that's why people typically follow me. That's especially in the beginning, they were like kind of just nosy and seeing like, what is she doing? And is she really going to graduate college? They want to follow along. They want to, they know you're getting your PhD, baby. Yeah. And, and I also think people thought I wasn't smart because I was a, a rebel and I had a baby at a very young age, which society tends to think only people who are not traditionally intelligent <laughs> uh, that happens to. And then so I'm like killing grad school eventually and I still have the baby and I still have the haircut and I still have the boyfriend and people really took notice and it's been a very interesting ride. So my daughter's 11. My husband and I have been together for eight or nine years and people have like tuned into our relationship from day one. We've been very open and honest about our relationship. So that's had people very interested and given them something to watch. So you had a story. That's that yeah, think, what yeah, is and so important. Story, like keeps growing, which keeps people interested. That's amazing. I think that hearing your story and hearing you talk about how society looks at uh, you know, a younger mom when back in the day, it was normal to have yeah. kids when you were young. Like our, my grandparents or my, you know, even my mom, my mom had me when she was 19 and she did the same thing. She put herself back through travel agent school, then cosmetology school with two kids, single mom, my dad left and she did it. And you know, she didn't know back then what Instagram, there was no, that wasn't around. Right. <laughs> so she, she could have been Insta famous though, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I like to talk about it too, because um, at the same time I was going through this, I knew a couple of other girls who had gotten pregnant in high school and there was nobody telling them, there was nobody telling us like, oh girl, like this is just a step. Don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. Like, and now I have an 11 year old and I'm 29. She's about to be 12 and it's just super regular. Our lives are not affected at all. My daughter has a great childhood. We're rocking and rolling. 
it's nothing as dramatic as I thought life would be when I first found out I was pregnant. Yeah. You're not letting your story kind of define you. You're defining your story, which I think is so important. If I think back on anything that is tough in life, it's not letting that define you. You are like, no, I'm going to show you exactly what I can do. Right. Because I'm fully capable with a kid or without a kid. Yep. Yeah. And so the financial stuff, I mean, I love how you said um, financial fitness that yeah. I, I love that. Can you like talk about that? Okay. So I love comparing finances to working out, dieting, eating healthy, you know, because it's something diet culture is huge, especially in America. Everybody knows all kinds. Everybody's on the keto diet, then South Beach diet, then this diet, then that diet. Whole 30 every Whole time. 30, I try. Right. And so some of the financial programs that are out there are fads, just like those diets. But when you meet someone who's committed to fitness and health, so also you'll hear me say like financial health, um, it's like a lifestyle that is for your entire life. I am financially fit. I am also fit in real life. So yes, I have a donut. Yes, I eat cookies and cake but I also try to exercise. I also take care of my body. I also do these things. And so you also I, have a bun in the oven. I just want to throw that in to let people yes, know to keep up with have, the Shelby Dorsey story that she follow, has. Yeah. <laughs> follow me on Instagram and you'll see today I posted a picture of my bun in a bikini, which I would have never done when I was pregnant with my daughter because I thought pregnant bodies were so weird. Oh, and girl, you're like, killing so that yeah, pregnant we body. We stalked you already. We stalked you. <laughs> you look amazing. And also Thank everything you. is in moderation, you know, hashtag moderation. You, yes. said you still can do that you, right. in finances too. It's, I think, you know, you can still do things that you want to do while also being financially fit. Oh, for sure. And being financially fit is something that is much more attainable. So my husband and I do no spend days, which you know, the, for the people who are thinking of finances and how they, it might connect to like behavior analysis, is we do self-monitoring, we do self-checks, we have calendars that we mark our no-spend days, which a no-spend day is a day where you spend zero money, not a penny, not on gas, not on groceries, nothing. So we track these days. But it's a really, um, you can get burnt out really quickly. Like I don't foresee us doing it um, for the next 15 years. It's kind of like doing high interval training. Like you just do it a couple times a week or you do it for us before a vacation when you're trying to look good for a photo shoot. It's not long-term financial fitness. It's just one of the methods that we use. And so when you get it in your head that this is your whole life goal, you want to be healthy both physically and mentally and financially for the next 60, 70 years. You can kind of rein those goals in and define what that financial freedom means to you. And I think that's why I've had success. It's because it's a big picture. It's not only spending $10 this week for the next 70 weeks. You know, it's just not unattainable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Shelby, also, so you post a lot of awesome financial money saving tips, all that. and And you relate a lot of them to behavior. Yeah. But you don't just post it. That's the cool part about you. So a lot of people post these cool workouts or post a picture at the gym, but you actually do it. Can you, I was following your Insta story when you went to ABAI this year. For anyone who doesn't yes. know, that's the ABA conference. It cost a lot of money, but you could get all your CEUs met. How the hell did you stay there for so cheap? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So essentially, 
I wanted to go to ABAI, but I knew I was going to be money crunching because my husband and I have these financial goals for the baby. My job only pays for certain aspects of conferences. And we had a vacation coming up afterwards, right? So just being financially smart, I knew I couldn't ball out or anything. So I go and I did things like I started planning very early. So I started planning my trip in December for the conference that was Memorial Day weekend. And so that's something that a lot of people don't realize goes into being financially fit. It's just like meal planning. You can't wake up in the morning and expect that you're going to eat totally clean for the next month and have no idea how you're going to do it because you're going to, you're going to want to stop at Whataburger, right? But when you start early and plan ahead, so that's what I did. I stayed at hostels. I pack my own food when I go on vacation. Always, 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 always. Like that is a hell no for me, but that is so amazing. (laughs) That is what differentiates you. I mean, that is unfreaking real. So I pack so, my own food, but then I buy it. So then I waste double, right? That's what I do. <laughs> and see, I one of the things that I've had to learn is like the self-discipline of when I have it, it means no to buying. So I took my daughter to Washington, D.C. when she was like six or seven. And I packed peanut butter and jelly and we made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and carried them in our bags. And she's like, we're sitting in Washington, D.C. at one of the monuments where they have the restaurant. Everybody's getting like hamburgers. And she's like looking at her peanut butter and jelly sandwich. She's like, mom, I'm like, nope, this is what we're eating. And she's like, but I wanted, you know, and I'm like, no, no way. So Shelby, you're a badass BCBA. You could keep a demand, huh? Exactly. And I can place demands like no other. I do not give in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just love that. I think that that is so important and cool for a BCBA and a mom to be able to come on and say. Yeah. And so one of the like little tricks that I'll give is that, you know, I make my like for, for my clients and for myself, I set my expectations before I go. And so I may not leave the house. I may only have, you know, 50 bucks on me. That way, I'm not spending 75. I'm not spending 100. If I have 50 bucks, that's all I'm spending. And setting those goals and defining what my day is going to look like beforehand really helps. That's amazing. Okay. So Shelby is going to get more into these details very soon on these specific topics that Casey and I find that we struggle with. Um, yes, absolutely. Should we introduce our second guest too? I guess let's go for it. All right. So our next guest is someone that is a financial advisor in Dallas, Texas, and actually knows the financial lingo to help us along the way and weigh in as our expert. I find it interesting meeting this man because it's nice to know where our best friend Liat came from. (laughs) Meet Ivan. Hello, everyone. Thank you for allowing me to be on your show. Gosh, when you say the name Ivan, I just feel like it sounds so scary. Or as behaviorist, I'm sure you're all so thinking. What do you of- want to change it to? No, even in high school. So when guys would always talk about like, "Ooh, is Ivan going to be home, Liat?" Like because it was like big bad Ivan and like that- Ivan the Terrible. Exactly. Exactly, and that's where, <laughs> and that's where my dog got his name from. I named. Oh, you guys thought it was after the scientist? No, it's Ivan Pavlov. Get it? Ah. <laughs> okay. So dad, don't get a big head right now, but you're pretty smart in a lot of different ways. You're a hustler, like no one's business. That's why I'm always hustling up different things. Well, actually you're in everyone's business because everyone invites, my dad is like the community, like, oh, look, 
this is going on here. Ivan, what should we do? What should we do here? I'm starting this business. I'm starting this restaurant. I'm trying to run this clinic, whatever it is. So they all come to him. So anyways, King, say hi. Hi. Wait, King? King, yes. He's the king of the house, so it kind of stuck. King Kong. King Kong. <laughs> and I always thought he looked like Donkey Kong also. <laughs> it's a, not a compliment. I guess we won't go with Donkey. We'll go with King. King, exactly. So... Now that we're supposed to be independent adults or something like that, let's talk about finances. Wah, wah, wah. All a bad bitch need is up. I got pants in the coop. Bussing at the roof. I got pants. Okay, I think we sound pretty cool with that music. I said we had to insert it just to make ourselves sound a little more legit, if you know what I mean. We are so cool. <laughs> okay, so, so we're going to talk about some of the main issues we find that maybe as millennials, or maybe it's just us, um, that we've run into. Shelby, hopefully you could give us some tips along the way in terms of behaviorally. And then we also have my brilliant dad here to give his input finan uh, financial advice. And then we're going to weigh in. Casey has written out some awesome questions to ask my dad at the end about finances. So because they're real life for me right now, and I need some help. Ooh, I feel so much pressure. Oh, the pressure! I think Let's you're going to be what great. We can do. What's going to be the first question? So, a big issue that we were talking about is dun 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 credit cards. I'm always getting these enticing offers. I'm going to the store buying something, and they're like, "If you sign up for this credit card right now, you can get." 20% off today and tomorrow, right? So then I go buy a shit ton of stuff. Um, credit cards are everywhere. Um, I'm always thinking, oh, wait, let me pay for that on my Southwest card. I'm going to get more miles. I don't know if any of you guys run into that. And Shelby, with you being the financial freedom and so financially fit, what is your take on credit cards? I think credit cards are extremely valuable in the big picture. They are very valuable in your credit score and what you're going to be, how you're going to be able to move money later, but they require a high level of self-discipline. If you do not have self-discipline, I say be very, very careful. I kind of think also that, you know, in ABA terms, we talk about a risk benefit analysis is so maybe you're getting these points now that seems so amazing to you, but is the benefit worth the risk? Don't you do those in finance also, Dad? Yeah, I was going to always look at risk analysis. You want to see what's going to be the reward versus the chance of losing. That was my first question to your dad, Ivan, was what is his take on credit cards? Okay, so credit cards, from my point of view, I want to go and be a little bit more. I agree with Shelby, but I would take the position given the fact that most people do not have the discipline, is that you should, credit cards are the kiss of death. So you can feel that smack of a kiss, but it's hot with fire. The credit card <laughs> allows you, I mean, I noticed when Shelby said she went out, she took $50 with her. Did she say she took $50 and the credit card? I don't know, because then it wouldn't be $50. No, I think, Shelby, you actually took $50, right? Yes, I, I, we have a set amount and no more and, and so you said no you don't want to live outside your means right 
Ivan? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, so what I'm saying is like when Shelby says she's taking $50, I believe she's taking $50. She's not taking $50 and with the ability to spend $2,000 on a credit card. So some people will mis mislabel what they've got. How much money are you taking with it? Well, I'm taking $50. Oh, great. How many credit cards do you have? I have three. That's How much so could me. you purchase? <laughs> I could purchase probably about $10,000. But you want to know something? I'm so conservative and I'm so deliberate. I only spend $1,000 on my credit card and I've still got $9,000 left. Bad news. Not a good idea. And I think, as uh, Shelby put it, you have to be extremely disciplined and maybe you have to lose your fingers each time you use it more than Dad, you said you were going to. Too I, I, so, close to home. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Forgot about that completely. Uh, wah, wah, uh, uh. I mean, lose your head. Lose your head. Liat has a lack of what? Three fingers? Tips. Tips. Three tips. finger tips. Okay. I said fingers. But I, so I want to say, like, for example, for a while, I was obsessed with getting gold status at Starbucks, right? Getting the different stars. I don't even like Starbucks coffee, but I became obsessed with this. And if we look at this, it's actually a token economy. And this is what we use with our clients. Um, and it's it's in real life, right? Getting those stars and saving them. And actually, I would have multiple rewards. And even when I had them, I wouldn't use them because I'd be worrying, what am I going to get that's the most expensive thing on the menu or on the list to use these points? And so, Shelby, do you have any, since you are a BCBA also, and you said that you guys actually use these different self-monitoring or maybe behavioral contracts. Is there anything that you could recommend to use? So yes and no. I try to do in like DRI, differential reinforcement of incompatible behavior. So I will reinforce myself in ways like leaving a credit card at home and having cash, which I don't prefer cash. I actually use a debit card instead of cash, but only using that. I also, when my husband and I are dealing with finances, we will reinforce low rates of using credit cards, maybe have speci very specific things that are allowed on the credit card. For example, my husband has a travel credit card. This vacation, we are using that credit card for this vacation, when we get home, we will pay the balance off to a zero, right? So it's a very low rate of use for that credit card when you look at the entire year. And I'm going, we're, we're, I'm reinforcing him like, yes, let's use this credit card because we've got travel points and we're traveling and we get extra points for all of these days. But it's more of a one or two times a year use credit card. And that's kind of how we use our credit cards. And I think it's worth stating um, and I found myself in this position many times is that what Shelby said is you use the credit card, you know, you need to use credit to get credit score high, right? Or to build your credit score, you need to have a, some sort of credit, but it is so important that you go home and you pay that credit card off because I have found myself where I could, Oh, no interest for a year. So I buy all this stuff that I need to get. And then I, it, financially, I don't, I'm not living within my means, so I can't actually pay that off when I come home. I pay it off incrementally, like over, you know, a hundred bucks a month. And that you need to make sure that what you spend, you have in your bank account to pay off when you go home. So my thing is I am actually like, I will buy an ice cream and then I will go pay my credit card. 
I am like obsessed with doing it immediately because I think of that like uh, it's so stressful as to when I'm I'm gonna see this multiple charges and it adds up in three freaking seconds. It's so dangerous. I did. I kind of. I kind of do the same thing, but I tell all my friends, like, I am very public with what my credit score is, how much credit card debt I have, because I want to be held accountable. And it's also extremely reinforcing when I can show that I bumped my credit score up 20 points, 40 points. And so posting it on Instagram, I use it because my followers reinforce me. Okay. And Shelby, speaking of which, speaking of ABA, we need operational definitions what the hell is a credit score? Do you actually know? Because I don't get it. I do know your father may be better at explaining it. Um, as far as behavioral terms, it is a it is an algorithm, and I don't even know if this is behavioral, but it's an algorithm of your ratios of credit card utilization versus. Um, what you, your credit card allowances, your monthly payments. Have you ever been late? Have you ever had anything, any um, disparaging remarks? D- yes, yes, exactly. And then there's like five or six categories and I don't have it pulled up right now and I don't have it memorized. I know your length of your credit is one thing. Your utilization is another derogatory, uh, marks. derogatory marks. Yeah. Missed payments. And, and how so- much you're actually using of your credit. Exactly. And I use credit karma. It's free. It's amazing. All my friends use it. And we like screenshot our credit scores and send them to each other. Like, yes, I got 777. I have the highest credit score of all my friends. And then next week they'll update and my husband's score will be higher than mine. I'm the same way. I always check mine. It's the most motivating thing for me. And that's a reason I pay off my student loans or pay them, not pay them off because that's a whole other topic. Right. But it's a reason (laughs) that I think that. It's a, the reason that I pay my bills is to see my score and be so like reinforced that I have a good credit score and I'm safe. Oh, absolutely. And that's part of my self-monitoring as well. Like having my, I have a defined, I want to hit an 800 credit score. I've had people tell me, you know, oh, you don't really need one. As long as you get about a 775, you're okay. No, I have defined my target goal. <laughs> I want an 800 credit Your score. criteria is that there. That is my criteria. And I've chosen a method. I'm following Credit Karma's um, data. I'm looking, I know that I need my credit card utilization down. I know my length of history needs to be longer. Those are the two things on my score that I'm working on. Technically, you could graph this. Oh, I do. I have a graph of my credit scores and how Of course you do. Right. Can you please post this on your Instagram that we will all be following and we can post it on our Instagram when you get it? Yes, I will actually, I'm probably going to use the one that Credit Karma, like they have a graph. So people who aren't, BCBAs or aren't in the ABA field who are maybe a little nervous about creating their own graph. Credit Karma has one. You can monitor your credit score. You can look at your, you know, debt ratios. They have all of these beautiful graphs. And I actually think that you might be able to see mine if you go on my page and look at my no spend. Like I have a highlight that's called no spend. And I'm pretty sure I've posted it before. If not, I'll, I'll look back at it and I can post my graphs. Okay, okay, so my I have dad a qu- just pulled up a- his his <laughs> credit score, and I'm like so impressed. He has an 807. Oh, I'm oh. a 780. I'm trying so hard. Me too. Oh, you just have to age. That's all. Yeah. So I have a question for your dad. <laughs> um, 
This is a question for Ivan, who Ivan is also my grandfather's middle name. So I love that name. Um, if you, so say I just got a bonus from work, right? A substantial bonus. Would it be more beneficial for me who has, I'm going to be very transparent here, um, almost $100,000 in student loan debt? Or so do I pay off that? Like a part of that? And it's nowhere, the bonus is nowhere near that. But, you know, say, <laughs> say it's $10,000 bonus. Do I pay off a, a student loan or do I pay off my credit cards? So what you want to do is you want to make it into a game. And what you have to do is understand that each bit of debt that you have, whether it's student loans or credit cards, they have a, um, an interest rate that you have to pay back. So what's more costly for you to have? Credit a lower card. interest rate or a higher? I mean, I think student loans are around 7% or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think mine credit card are like could be 19% or something. I don't know, somewhere around there. So you just know that the cost of doing business with a bank is a lot more expensive. And uh, so that's, why, that's how you measure what you're going to do by looking at the actual cost of having that particular loan. Kind of like um, behavior goes where reinforcement flows, or where is the higher rate of reinforcement, right? Or, like, where, or Right, matching law. Where are you being punished more? And it seems like your credit cards are have a higher punishment rate. So and I they're would, lower in like uh, total value, so they're actually more attainable to pay off than a giant student loan. So to me, that's my, that's like my behavioral momentum. Like when I do my smallest debts first, then I get to like feeling myself like, Oh, I got that one at zero. Now I have this one at zero. Like you go girl, you get that payment down. And then I may have these other, you know, large sums like my student loans. I think I have $150,000 in student. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not alone. Yes. Yes. And so no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) And so being financially fit, I try to be very aware of those. And, you know, that's like for a whole nother podcast, like you said. No, no, it, we are talking about student loans right now that so, you, you couldn't have given us <laughs> foreplay better, Shelby, than to right. get into student loans right now. Okay. So thank Woo-hoo. you so much. Speaking of what I'm going to provide some data because as behavior analysts, we love data. So college tuition has more than doubled since the 1980s just so you guys know. As a result, student debt is at an all-time high with the average student debt per graduate. Shelby, you should be very proud of yourself. You have beat out everyone by almost five times because the average student debt per graduate is 17,126. Calling bullshit, calling bullshit. Uh, I think so too. I think that's more like that they (laughs) went to community college or something like that. Yes, yeah, there is no way. But Shelby, they don't have the degrees you have, but... Yeah. Uh, this is according to the Business Insider, so take it up with them. Please, not me. I just am quoting some <laughs> random shit off the internet. Who knows if they made it up? Um, so the one thing that I could say before we get further into student loans, because we all, this is going to be my one fuck for the episode. Fuck student loans. That was um, two, just so you know. Yeah, but I guess you could put the second one on belief, <laughs> whatever. But paying your loans or paying your credit card is actually a very common behavioral principle we talk about, which is negative reinforcement. Negative, meaning the removal of something. So there has to be something aversive going on, which is like when you look at your bank statement and you see, oh, you owe, what did you say, Shelby? $125,000, right? 150. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. So 150,000, right? 
So the negative reinforcement, so that's aversive. I would say whenever you yes. do that, it's pretty aversive, right? Oh, it is. It's like, well. Insert escape behavior. Right. Yeah. Insert escape <laughs> behavior. Exactly. So paying your loans, when you see it go down, is negative reinforcement because you are doing, you are engaging in the removal of something aversive. And when you do that, it actually increased the reinforcement part of that, meaning increase the future frequency of behavior, right? So you're removing something aversive, which is going to increase the future frequency of engaging in that same behavior, the behavior being paying that bill or paying towards that student loan. So I have a quick question for your dad. I'm just going to interject here. I know it's okay. an interruption, but going along with this. So people say to me, and again, don't, you know, I know it's not great to take people's advice, but they say student debt is good debt. Can you maybe shed some light onto that? Yes, student debt is excellent debt if you pass it on to somebody else to pay for you. Oh, if you get your parents <laughs> to pay for you, then it's excellent debt. Other than that, there is no ways, other than the fact that the only reason why debt could be very good, let's say there's a person that's unable to get any money to go to college. Me. And, we, and so when they we? went to college, yes. They knew that the asset or the value for what they were going to get is going to be worthwhile doing, you know, doing that particular educational thing. So, for example, I often think, why didn't my kids just go to community college to do the basics, maybe, pay a fraction of what they had to pay for undergraduate, and then go into, you know, university at a later stage and probably save a good ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars or something like that. I'm not sure. But I think what you've always got to look at is what am I getting for the risk that I'm taking? Like is I'm the investment loan? I mean, you guys have obviously done incredibly well. Your investments have been great. I'm just looking on the one side. The one side of that I'm looking at is that you've got three talented young BCBAs making a huge difference to the world. And all of you look amazingly happy. So there might be some value to having taken out the loans that you took. But we're still at the start, so we're still feeling the love. <laughs> like I mean, I'm saying uh, I know, but, but you I want to, yeah. What at, like what you said about um the undergrad. So I regret my undergrad to the utmost like extreme. I was un. I had no financial um people to tell me what I should be doing. My guidance counselor actually told me that I wanted to go to a community college, but it was frowned upon because I was smart. And I wish that I had gone to a community college and saved a bunch of money, maybe got my nursing degree in two years or something that was actually going to make me money and then gone back to get my master's at a later date. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely some. But, you know, if you think about it, hindsight is 2020. Well, Casey. the other thing, the other thing that's really a 2020 that I, I don't think 2020 ever comes about is that you never listen to your parents anyway. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> The dumbest person from out of town can come into town, give advice, and they'll listen to it. But your parents have to tell you, I'm telling you now, don't do that. And right. you go ahead and you do it. Parents are, are very stupid, particularly when you're young. <laughs> the older you get, the parents get wiser. How they get there, I don't know. <laughs> you agree? Linky? Yeah. I mean, some linky. stuff in hindsight. Linky. Yeah. I am linky. So, yeah. No, in hindsight, a lot of things make sense, you know, but... But hey, we're here now and we can make these decisions now. I so also want to add something that I thought was really great 
that your dad said is, you know, if you're a person that you may not be able to go to, you may not be able to attend college unless you take out a student loan. That was my experience. There was no money in the bank. And my student loans actually didn't cover my tuition. Most of it was living expenses because I had hella scholarships. I'm a smart girl. Like I worked my ass off for scholarships. Get it, girl. Yes. But I was paying for an apartment. I was paying for daycare. I was paying for haircuts and pedicures. And, you know, everything that I had, I was paid for fully funded by student loans. Now, now I have a giant number, but. I actually am one of the few people who I'm not mad at my student loans. I'm very thankful because without them lending me money, I didn't have access to education. So when I meet people who are from disadvantaged situations and they're like, oh, I want to go to college, but I don't want to get in student loan debt. I'm like, man, student loan debt is way better than living a life of poverty. Just take the loan. Do your little risk benefit analysis. I agree with your dad consider those community college, those regional schools, those lower cost schools, but don't not chase your dreams because you're scared of student loans because student loans can open up a door to you that you may have not have had before. Shelby, I freaking love you. The things you say are just, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. Like, I yeah. mean, now I think, I think also a huge thing is we do see a lot of people. I mean, we are BCBAs now. And I mean, I'm sure you your inbox feels it. My inbox feels it. I get emails every freaking day with multiple job offers. Like, not a joke. I right. mean, same here. I mean, so going into this right now, I mean, and you could do, and when you're a smart, talented girl like yourself, myself, Casey, right? You could do so many things with it. So the investment is worth it. I mean, it hurts up front, but I mean, I see yeah. a lot of people who maybe majored in art and, and and maybe had no direction with what they wanted to do. And then it's like, is it worth it then? You know, I mean, right. you kind of have to figure out. But also, I think the biggest thing that Shelby was saying, and I think that's the three of us, is we are very disciplined. So I knew taking out those loans because I had no financial parental support. I wanted a better life for myself. I didn't want to um, not have a degree and just bartend for the rest of my life. I wanted right. better and student loans allowed me that. Um, so I don't regret that. Um, but I'm also very disciplined. So I will make sure that I make those payments mm -hmm. and I will find myself. I just enrolled in an income driven, driven repayment plan. Um, I'm applied for the public service loan forgiveness. I work for a nonprofit. I've been working for a nonprofit for so many years and I will continue the nonprofit world until I get them forgiven. So when I'm 42, which is not that old, I think I've been willing <laughs> no, to yeah. test to that. I will have my student loans forgiven because I'm smart about it. I enroll in things, I pay them. And that is so important because some people are just like, oh, give me loans. I don't care. And those are the people that it affects the world. The world. And that to me is being you, financially sorry. fit. Yeah. Yes, Ivan. Okay, so I have a question for you. You said that uh, I can attest to the oh. fact that it's not so old, 42. Why? Am I that old? <laughs> well, you were saying you get better with age. And I'm like, I think that that will happen. I'm only 32. I will get better with age. When I'm 42, I won't have this looming debt over my head anymore. Yeah, that's true. I'm 62. There you go. And look at hot as hell, dad. My dad is hot. King please Kong. Look, yeah. Please look up the king on Facebook. You could see him maybe in my Facebook pictures. <laughs> um, he doesn't have as much of a following. He wishes. He posts like he has a huge following. But oh, I she, can't wait. To like literally him. it's like, oh, I, I, he got a picture of me like from an angle or something. And he's like, it's posted. It's like, dude, that's like, 
terrible. Stop. He doesn't understand social media. Why? If you want to see everything on your social media, it's all these beautiful pictures. I, pay, I post pictures that are not beautiful so that people get balanced reports. Yeah, I agree with yeah. Ivan. I love real pictures. I post, I, I'm with you, Ivan. King oh, Ivan, you. I'm with you on the No, if you, if you want to subscribe to him, <laughs> ask him to friend you on WhatsApp. He will send you like three videos a day of like, <laughs> look at this motivational video, this and this. And I'm like, dude, do you think anyone actually watches these? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, just thing. Okay. So the last topic I want to get to is savings. Like, that was the question I had for Ivan. I said, um, how much of your income should you be saving, like realistically? And behaviorally, Shelby can probably talk about some antecedent interventions of doing that. Okay. So um, you can put any number from the air and you could say you should save 100% and then you know that that's not going to be possible. But you can also take a very small amount and you can save 1% and that's not going to be meaningful. So what you have to do is go in between that. I've always believed in taking 20%. It seems high, but and that's after tax. So you'll get a check. It will be that you've got a W-2, and your W-2 will say that you've, got, you've made $2,000. So of that $2,000, you've already paid tax. So I would take 20%. I would take $400 off that, and that would go straight into savings. Okay, now savings can be defined in, in many ways. We can go to that later. Mm -hmm. And then that's how I would, and then the balance of the money that you have, the $1,600 is your discretionary money that can pay off for your uh, rent, your mortgage or whatever. But somewhere or other, you have to make it work. I love that from, what's his name? From Dave Ramsey? No, from Project Runway. Uh, I want to be oh. cool. I want to be, <laughs> be cool. What's a project runway? What's his name? Uh, you read that one book you used to speak anyway, about all the time. You By find the way, if my dad loves a book, he will buy it for anyone he comes into contact with. And if you would like books, Shelby, friend him on WhatsApp. I feel like you would like I was just about content. to say, I love books and I'm always looking for new suggestions. He right. will send them to you, literally. Yeah. You don't even I've... have to pay for them. He sends them to everyone. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the, the, the actual term from uh, Project Runway, the guy who runs it, I don't know why I can't remember I'll look it. it up. Anyway, he says, make it work. And it's a brilliant quote. So what happens is he takes uh, people that design clothing. He gives them a piece of cloth that they can work with. And that piece of cloth has to work no matter what. Because most people will say, ah, I messed up. So let me just get a new piece of cloth. You can't get a new piece of cloth. You have to make it work. Tim Gunn. Tim Gunn. That's what I was, I was going to say that. But I thought, I'd let, let's see how quickly you can look it up. <laughs> anyway, so Tim Gunn is the person. And he's got a couple of uh, clips on a video. Uh, about just that particular concept, <laughs> making things work that you have. So you have to take your pay after your savings and make that work. Shelby, any behavioral ideas, potentially antecedent interventions that you could think of to make it work or that you do, that you practice, not that you could think of? Okay, so my goal is to do 50-50, save 50% of my income, Holy live on 50% of my income. That's what my family is currently working towards. We started wow. at 20 we now we're at 30 and we're working towards 50. I will say I've had some pushback because I have some people say, that say you should not be saving at that high amount of rate while you have loans that are in interest because they're costing you money. And I do understand the technicalities of that for those of you who are going to say that after you hear this. However, some of the money that goes into my 
savings will eventually be used to pay off some debt. To me, it's about disciplining my family to live at that rate. And that's our goal. So, Okay, so uh, just to compliment you on that, I think that's a very, very good goal. The question that you have to have is, again, cost-benefit. If, let's say, for example, you're sitting in a savings account and you're sitting in a savings account earning 1% and you've got loans that have got a cost of holding of 10%, that could be a factor. But I do like the idea because what I think is that you should be looking for ways of that savings account. How can you make that money grow? You have the opportunity by having that savings to be able to make an investment but you better be sure what you're going to be investing in. So Here I, I go love, with I my third idea. question. You just bring us right did, into it. I, did, I, did I take away, uh, Shelby, did you want something else to say? I'm sorry that I interrupted. Oh, no, I, I, I love that. No, I'm, I'm with you. And so I kind of have a structure in my bank account. I'll, so I have a set savings goal for things that we need. Like we have a baby savings goal. And of course, our retirements are separate. But then when we hit one goal, we use X amount of money, goes straight to any debt that we're holding, but our savings account is used more like a holding pin, not like a traditional savings. So you're so good. It's okay. kind of complex, but it, no, I, I love it. I, I love it. And actually, dad, I feel like you've told me that with my loans before. You're like, because you're, you're into investing, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you've like, I, I've saved money and said, dad, what should I do with this money? Right. And well, he, I mean, not trying to sell my dad, but he has, he does research just like we research different things. He researches what specifically to invest in. So his specific interest is gold, gold exploration, right? That's right. But not even going to get into that specifically. Not get into that at all. But I'm just saying, so he would say, when you invest in that, based on what the research I've done, the return you know, when you believe in something and you've looked at it so much, the return is going to be this. And that way you could pay this off with that. Right. Yeah. So you could do something with that savings money. But anyways, one thing I wanted to add about the savings is an antecedent intervention, antecedent meaning before. And one way to do this is to automate your contributions. Right. Don't yes, even let do, it yeah. hit your account. So you're not even touching it. I mean, you're not even touching it. Automatically, that money is taken out every month into a savings account. And I actually have a savings account at a different bank. So I get paid every month into my Chase account. I have the money get pulled automatically to my Bank of America account, which I don't even know where the debit card is, to be honest. And I think that's better. Um, that way, it's like an antecedent intervention. I'm not even... Because I, I feel like money, maybe this analogy works, maybe it doesn't. It's kind of like a goldfish. Like a goldfish grows to the size of the tank. The same way, if I see that money in my account, I can grow to spend that amount of money. I totally agree, Liat. I love that analogy. Oh, good. So I'm smart. Okay, everyone save it and say that I said it. Okay? <laughs> I told you you were smart when you said it. I didn't know if it worked. I Because I, I, I always think of that. Like if the money's there, it's somehow miraculously, that's what my credit cards equal. You know, mm -hmm. it's... Um, so if it's not there... I think that's a huge antecedent intervention to do beforehand or a word that you might use, Dad, that's not as behavioral as acting proactively, um, doing something beforehand. I also have a small uh, insert, Liat, is so Please. before my current job, I had my money come into my bank account and then as it hit my bank account, then it took to, then it went to my savings. But there could be anywhere from two to three days overlap in that time. 
when I got my new job, I talked to HR and I actually have my paycheck split. So my savings money enters a savings account that is in a different bank. There is no debit card. There is nothing that, you know, it, and, and I have a seven day transfer. So if I want to transfer money out of that account, it takes seven days on purpose because if I get feeling myself on Monday, by the next Monday, I might've talked my, myself out of whatever I was going to do because that's how I do things. So I have that on purpose, but I didn't realize until about a year ago that I could get it done through my employer and that it wouldn't have to sit in my holding tank bank account until it's separated. So if you're listening, talk to HR. They might be able to set that up for you. Shelby is no dummy. And I just want to say something. <laughs> I don't know, Shelby, if you could see us because we, we do this through Google Hangout. But every single person here, I could see Casey, I see myself, and I, I'm sitting next to my dad. Every single person here is like nodding very heavily. Like, <laughs> Well, it's like that delayed um, reinforcement, right? You don't get right. it right away. And right. you have to wait to think. And then you really put thought into, do you really need it? Can you weigh the pros and cons on that purchase? And the money is you know, not going to be there for a week. So and that's it, what, it, what you call delayed gratification. Yes. The idea of getting delayed gratification, which the millennials particularly want everything instantaneously, not to say that I don't. I'm probably faster than them. In you are time. literally the most impulsive person I know, but you do have a good <laughs> credit score, so it's worked for you. But Yeah, um, so anyway, all I want to say is on <laughs> Shelby, however, I don't know what you said, instant, uh, what, instant, where, Instagram? Instagram? I don't, that's your big, is that your big format? Yes. Yes. So I don't even know where Instagram is, but you can put the thumbs up on there for me. <laughs> Thank really, you. It's very, Double very tap. Good. Double tap. Double <laughs> tap. Heart. Follow and turn on my post notifications. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, I also think of behavioral contrast too. So if it comes into my account, I may not be so good at it, but if I'm, if it goes into another account, I can do it there. And if I change my environment too much, it throws myself off. So I, I can be really good saving money in one way and any contrast to that can mess me up. So I try to have really strict parameters. Can you tell people what behavioral contrast is like without a money example so that they'll understand when you give that money example? Um, yes. So if you are a clinic based BCBA or maybe you're not a BCBA at all and you're in the grocery store with your child and your child is so well behaved. They don't ask for anything. They walk beside you. They're doing great. And then the minute you enter a toy store, they lose their minds. They're going crazy. They are not behaving. Their, their behavior has totally contrasted from the first environment because of many different factors, I'm sure. But we do that too. I'm great with saving money when my family's not around. When my family's around, it's a bit of a struggle for me. Thank yep. you, Shelby. You said that perfectly. So in one environment, it's great. So like that, I mean, I have that issue. I'm like, oh yeah, look at me. Look at my savings account. I'm killing it. Then suddenly these Instagram ads pop. I'm like into looking at these Instagram ads. Like I did one, I did one thing the first time I ever <laughs> bought something. And they all seemed like they're all coming from China. These little Instagram ads. It's like they have multiple websites, but they're all selling the same shit. Yep. Anyways. So I'm saving so well. So I'm doing that. Then I have behavioral contrast, right? Because I was doing so well in one environment that I see it going well there. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I'm going to have the exact opposite. I'm going to spend a shit ton now and, and go buy all these different things. Yeah. And that's why I can't shop with my mother. My mother's a shopaholic. 
So I, I, ha- I cannot shop with her. I will spend money. But you know what my trick is? I spend it. I don't open it for a week. I keep the receipt. And then I return everything that I didn't need in that week. Maybe, maybe I think just with Kate, I don't know. Shelby lives close enough that I can hang out with her. You know that? Shelby, I'm just telling you now, I'm warning you. And I'm warning Mm -hmm. Casey as well. You talk about a shopaholic. Wow, Linky, you are unbelievable. Calling her out. I I buy to return. Not saying I do not wear it. I like buying stuff. I don't like trying it on. And I'm not trying to throw the lupus card, but I'm going to throw it. I don't like trying stuff on in the store, okay? It's too cold. My body hurts. So I bring it home. I actually return a shit ton of stuff, which is but, which but is stupid because it does make me. Other than clothes. No, it does. Oh, some <laughs> pens and shit. Yeah, you're right. I totally buy them. But, hey, I've actually made a business from it. So, hey, so the investment was worth it. One of the things that I I think is really important that I'm so glad you said is my husband is a DJ. He loves DJ equipment, right? He loves buying stuff. He loves Apple Music and Spotify. Those are luxury items that I would never over my dead body pay $9.99 for. I would never pay for Spotify. (laughs) Oh, guilty. I know. But my husband loves it. So he has literally built a career around the things that he loves. And so when he spends money on Apple Music and Spotify and music equipment, it's an investment into his business and career. So Liat, the pins and the stickers and everything like that. Like if there's something that you love spending money on, minus books and audiobooks, I make sure that it's an investment in myself. So I'm willing to spend money on audiobooks because it's an investment in me. My husband's willing to invest in his career buying Spotify and Apple Music and headphones and la la la. You are willing to have that investment in pins and stickers and whatever. So for the people listening, like whatever it is you like and you want to spend money on, is there a way that that can be an investment into yourself? Because you can be financially fit and have your financial health when you are investing things that feed into you. I I can... I completely agree. Chase your passion and you'll never have to work another day in your life. And that's what I've done. And dad, I just want to also say something about you quickly that I literally think my pen obsession and office supply (laughs) obsession is genetic. Because if you know anything about my dad, he literally has paint pens arriving to the house every day, every type of pen, every type of notebook. And I think you've written on one page of each notebook like the most expensive notebooks and you don't have a business from it. Do you? So I would say maybe possibly a little exaggeration. What do you call <laughs> in, in behavior when you say like somebody has, Oh, bloviating. No, what? no, no, no. Behavioral. We don't, we don't do that. We oh. write clear and concise. Okay. No, from a point of view of like every day, uh, I do. I love pens and I love uh, things to write on. I never have anywhere without a pen and a pad. That's for sure. And that's for sure. So thank you for <laughs> reinforcing that for me. Anyways, so Casey, is yeah. there any other questions that you wanted to ask? We just wanted- Pretty please, pretty please. Ask ask your questions, Casey. Use this, this is your free um My hashtag free advice for me and everyone else out there. So could you, Ivan, and Shelby can chime in too if she has any info on this, but we'll first start with Ivan. Um, can you talk to me about the best type of um, IRA to get? And why? Okay, so there's only one IRA that everyone should work towards. And it's just got tremendous benefits to it. And that is called the Roth IRA. How are you going to remember Roth? What would be the Roth term that you'd remember? Um, 
so Roth, oh, that's something else. Now, now. there's going to be a lot of incentives, just like credit cards coming in the mail, to say go with the regular IRA because you're going to get a tax deduction and everything else. But Roth IRA, once you put it away into that account designated as a Roth IRA, you never have to pay taxes. Now, up until the age of 59 and a half, fortunately, I'm 62. So at 59 and a half, I was able to take out of my Roth IRA as much money as I'd like with no taxes whatsoever. The other beauty of a Roth IRA is that you can, at this time, contribute towards a Roth IRA until you're 80 or 90 years of age. In the regular IRA, you can only contribute up until the age of 70, which might not seem important right now, but there is, you don't, and you're not forced to take your money out of the Roth IRA at this point in time anyway. Anyway, so I'm a big advocate of Roth IRA. I don't know if you know anyone by the name of Roth, but never forget the name Roth. So my grandfather's name was Ralph Ivan. So kind of like R-I, right? Yeah. Roth IRA. That's how exactly. I'll remember it. Very good. So if anyone else likes, you know, Ralph Ivan, Roth IRA, that's how you can remember it. Right. And like Ivan is here and he's told you about the Roth, you know? Yeah, well, I'd like Shelby's uh, thoughts on that. Yeah, Shelby, what's your thoughts? I have a Roth IRA. And do you have a traditional as well? I do not. So I went with the Roth for very similar reasons that you are describing. Um, my view is taxes are only going to go up. So a traditional IRA, you pay taxes when you pull out the money. So it's likely that our taxes are going to be much higher when I am 52 and a half, or 59 and a half than what they are now, uh, just by history. So I chose a Roth because I'd rather just pay the taxes now. And then when it's probably at a much higher rate, when I'm 59 and a half or 60, I will have already done my due diligence and paid those. Right. And then, you know, the rule of 72 is what's important, uh, which you probably know, Shelby. The rule of 72 is just to keep that in mind. How quickly can you double your money? I'm not going to explain it, but look, you've got your homework, which is the rule of 72, which means just in Yeah, give things. it quickly. Good. You got Let's it. Let's say that you've got six years to double your money. So six into 72 is 12. You would have to be making 12% each year in order to double your money. Similarly, if you've got 12 years and you want to double your money, make sure that you're making at least 6% on your investment in order to double your money. So if you've got $100,000, that can become $200,000 if you have 6% return for 12 years. You are so smart, Ivan. Thank you. I know. That's, you are... That just you goes know? You right say over that my it's so head. Smart. Maybe Shelby's got a different calculation. She might sound talking nonsense. It sounds good, but do you agree with that uh, formula, the rule of 72? Yes, but I'd never heard of the rule of 72. I just scribbled it down so I could look at it when we get Let off the podcast. Let me tell you something. Let me give you one other thing. Okay, please If do. you want to triple your money, go to the rule of 111, and then you'll triple your money. So in other words, if I've got 11% each year and I go for 10 years. What do you mean 11%? Are you talking about like with an investment? What, are you talk what percent of what? No, your, let's say your returns, your returns that you can get on what you've invested is 11%, okay? It will take you 10 years to triple your money. So the rule of 72 is how quickly can you take to get your, uh, double your money, and $111, how long will it take for you to triple your money? And that's it. And on average, on average, not to say that it's true in all cases, 
on average, generally people are able to produce five to six percent a year. Mm -hmm. So every 12 years, you're doubling your money, let's say. And then how often, how does six go into 111? No idea. Yeah. Well, you just take 111 <laughs> and divide by six. No, I'm kidding. What is it? Well, we can look. Oh, you okay. don't know either. So I was, okay. I do, I, have... I do know, but I just don't 18.5. I was going to say nice. 18.5. Yeah, so 18.5, <laughs> very good. So if you've got 18.5%, uh, you know, you could get triple your money. Now, getting 18.5% each year for, for that period of time would be a very long thing for six years. But alternatively, if you, for 18.5 years, you made 6%, you'd be able to triple your money. That's, you know, Casey, uh, you won't be that old. No, I know. I'm. I love. I'm loving this. I'm like, like I said in the show you're intro. To, yeah, you're gonna. Uh, maybe we're gonna have to add this to our hashtag show, show notes. I said, get a pen and paper, guys. But, write and, this and down. last thing, I, I no, not the. Well, the, there is one. Well, I have one last question. I know okay? you do, but one one more thing about the Roth IRA. How much can you contribute to it a year? Okay, good question. You can contribute depending on your age. I'm fortunate enough that I could contribute sixty five hundred dollars a year, approximately. But at your age, you can contribute $5,500 a year. And I believe that's under 50, according to the research I've looked at. Exactly. Yes, I'm, that's what that's I've a, heard. A, right. So that's yes. what you can contribute. Now, I think that the 2019 contributions are higher. They are a little higher. but um, Shelby, you are so effing smart. <laughs> I really... I'm I really... No, I, I live thinking, close I'm to like, her, guys. Are I you jealous? I to get a coffee I am. with Lee Dad. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to get a coffee with you, she just said. Anytime. But I live? only drink water at Starbucks because I don't spend money at Starbucks. So. Oh, don't worry. He does. He got you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liat will tell you you'll get your first coffee there. <laughs> All right. So, guys, I have one last question for um, Ivan and Shelby, our two fabulous guests that we've had today. So I read somewhere that the biggest mistake that millennials are making is not buying a house and just continuing to rent. Can you tell us your thoughts? Um, Ivan as a professional financial advisor and Shelby as our um, financial, freedom, financial freedom, queen. freedom queen. Hashtag yes. free advice, guys. Here we go. Okay. 2018 contributions to the IRA, I told you was 5,500. And as Shelby says, that's increased to $6,000 under the age of 50. If you're older than that, don't worry, you're not there. So I'll just look at it and say 7,000. <laughs> okay, Dad, your, your response latency, that was question was previously asked. Next <laughs> question was regarding the houses, please. Okay, good. Oh, the robot's back. Yeah. The robot is back. Please, <laughs> Ivan, tell us about the houses. A, a house, everyone seems to want to rush into buying a house. It can be a good thing. It doesn't have to be a good thing. Again, it all depends on your lifestyle. And secondly... Just remember, when you're buying a house, everyone falls into that trap, which Shelby brought up before. She got a student loan, which was meant to take care of her education, but she also had other expenses. And her other expenses were living expenses, partying, and doing all that other stuff. With a house, you've got maintenance of a pool. You've got to get your yard cut. You're going to have uh, breakage or uh, things that don't work. Your air conditioning goes down. There's going to be a lot Your water expensive. heater, your boiler. Oh, you see, that's where your younger heads are so swift. That's exactly right. So um, I don't think that there's anything wrong in staying in an apartment, living in a smaller place, appreciating the smaller place that you have, saving as much as what you can. Yes, you can't deduct the interest. One of the biggest problems in the United States of America is that mortgage interest. Coming from the South African. 
<laughs> yeah, the African. Anyway, so, uh, is the fact that like we've got an incentive to live on debt. In Canada, if you go up there, you get you get credit for paying your principal off. You're getting an, this is your behavioral thing. Wouldn't it be better that you pay your principal off and you get a bonus for that? Whereas you're getting incentivized to actually take out debt. Everyone wants to have the mortgage interest rate to have as a deduction. In Canada, you pay off your principal and you get a bonus. What that bonus is, I don't know exactly, but they've incentivized it the other way. So they actually are using reinforcement as opposed right. to punishment. Am I saying that right? Well, yeah. no. Well, you see, you think that interest is a, a benefit. Oh, not. Oh. You think it's a benefit, but in Canada, they're telling you pay off your house as quickly as possible, and there's a benefit for doing that. Over here, it's like let's extend it out for as long as possible. Oh, okay. So not the punishment part. I was hearing that wrong. Thank you for that answer, because I live in a uh, 600 square foot apartment that we pay very little rent on, so we're saving a lot. And we are making sure when we do go to buy a house that we have the financial fitness, Shelby, to um, pay for a new boiler, new heater, new washer, dryer, a new roof, new shingles, um, someone to, you know, come and when all the horrible things happen and we're not there yet. So I'm glad to know that I'm not making a huge mistake by not buying a house right now. Also, let me insert one piece of empirical data, because as behavior analysts, we love that. Millennials buying their first home today are actually paying 39% more than baby boomers who first bought their house in the 1980s. And so what I am saying, it's taking on average now 10 years for people to save enough to pay a down payment. And actually, I know we're always in a rush, like, well, I'm just throwing my money down the drain, paying rent, paying rent. But as we've heard, um, it's actually better if you could save that money and actually pay whatever you're paying towards. Like right now I pay my rent, but I also know if something goes wrong, it's on them. Yep. Same here. My dishwasher broke. My dish disposal broke the other day. Our smoke detectors needed to be replaced. Our, even our light bulbs get replaced here. Like I'm like, Oh gosh, this is amazing. I know. That's exactly what I'm like. The filter, just please. Don't it. <laughs> so I, I have a really interesting perspective. So my husband and I rent as well, and we are not, like buying a house is not something that's on our radar right now. I don't want to do it. I Shelby, almost, do you mind if I ask how old you are? Sorry. I know that you never asked a woman. Okay, perfect. Thank yep. you. You're 29 so, going on 76. You are so <laughs> I know. Wise. Right? Y'all are really going to get this. So I own two rental properties. Oh, look at you. So I own two homes that I have renters in. And I will tell you, owning rent houses has showed me that I don't want to own a home because I'm constantly having to redo the floor and we need a new stove. And now I have to put a roof on mm-hmm. and my hope, my homeowner's insurance is just expired and I've got to do this. Thankfully, it's under a business and I have a business. So these are tax write offs and these are investment properties that I'm going to sell. But for my family in the DFW right now, the DFW housing prices are insane to me. And it's just not something that I want to do. I love my little townhome. We love to rent. And your I'm home's not... really cute. Please see Instagram. Please see Instagram <laughs> for my home. And so for me, buying a rent house has actually made me less eager to buy my own home. <laughs> There's just a lot to do. Like Thank you for said. your insight. That is my dad very... here on the side, like very good, very good. Like looking at me, like <laughs> listen to this chick, listen to her, listen reinforce there. Yep. Yeah, but 
today I, I was actually one of my favorite podcasts. Mine too. I kept, I actually texted Leah that in the middle of it. And I'm like, ah, favorite podcast. And also Woo-hoo! I want to say that, um, Shelby is not only a financial freedom queen, but she's also really into providing supervision in the BCBA field. And in, like, she does a lot with telehealth and I want to have you back. And I hope you say yes, because we yes, love you. Please, please. That, that will require its own hour in itself. I know. Well, I think we're on an hour in like 20 <laughs> minutes. I, I told you that today, I go, girl, we need to make these like 40 minutes because the hour is too long. And we just kept talking and it's all good stuff. And it's everything people need to know. So if they need to listen to it in two separate episodes, like two separate sittings, they can, because it's very pertinent information. And we appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day, especially on vacation. And especially, you know, Ivan being Liat's dad and us seeing how Liat is still her wild child even in front of her father is amazing <laughs> it so, is thank you guys I'm, I'm so much impressed with the lack of uh, swearing i know my dad for the first i didn't even my use dad. bomb so no, use it good for you i'm i like you more thank you i you was trying to be i was being polite to the father and also i, I didn't Can I use know? hers no no. <laughs> no 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 we did this is great thank you guys so much Thank you for coming, guys. As always to everyone, love you. Mean it. Hey, guys, it's Liat here. And I just wanted to take the time for just a single second of your time and tell you about something awesome. As you know, Casey and I are super into this podcast thing going on here and getting it started. And I just wanted to let you know that there's an easy way to get it done. And that is what I'm going to tell you right now about Pretty Easy Podcast. Thank God we got in touch with the team at Pretty Easy Podcast. They help you do everything from start to finish. They will get your show up there. They will record the episode for you. They will produce it. They will add bleeps in if you're full of F-bombs like myself. Whatever it is that you need, they will do it. When you first said you wanted to start a podcast, I was like, okay, we can do that. We have no idea what we're doing. I never really thought it would get off ground until we met Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast. And he put all my fears to rest. He helped us get everything going from all of our audio audio editing and production and our song that we have, which is amazing, by the way. We're allowed to record from our own homes. He helps us with our guests. Um, He caters to our schedule. Come on, Leah, we are the worst with scheduling. I mean, I know we said we're going to have a podcast a week. So far, we're out a few days, but hey, he works with us. That's what we need. But the point is, we were looking at how we could download all these different programs to try learn how to do all this podcasting stuff. But truth is, it's affordable. It's much easier to have someone do it for you. You could go to prettyeasypodcast.com and you could get started today. I say go. I say if you want to be heard, if you have something to say, like we do, we love the sound of our own voices, and we found Alan who lets our voices shine. So thank you, Alan, at prettyeasypodcast.com. Listener.